Hey, it's Donnie Bobine. Thanks for checking out the show. Just want to let you know that each week, I literally bring on some of the best in the world to coach me on growing my business. What you're going to hear is live conversations I've had with some of the greatest business professionals in the world as they guide me how to grow my company, Success Champion Networking. This is real. This is raw. This is completely unfiltered. And it's really them pouring into me so I can grow my business. My hope is as you listen to this, that you'll get real value that'll help you grow your business. Do me a favor. If this brings you any value, please leave me a review wherever you're listening to this. And that would mean the absolute world to me. So we have to realize that when, when you get upset or when you get frustrated because somebody on the team or somebody outside of your vision doesn't see it or is doing something that seems boneheaded, that's actually good. It's actually affirming your value in the market. And so your job isn't to go out and find a, a bunch of entrepreneurs or a bunch of NASA certified uh, you know, astronauts. Your job is to actually find a bunch of McDonald's employees that can function excellently in your system. You've got to get around people that are doing the shit you want to be doing on the level and volume of what you want to be doing. Go in and be the damn student. I could learn every person in this room. Think about how you talk about your business. Yes, passion sells, but you can't carry on a real conversation outside the passion. You're gonna lose. So the whole point of all of this is one, show up as you, fucking loud. Two, get yourself in freaking rooms that scare the shit out of you. It's really about looking at those things that you know will move the business forward and doing them anyways. Thank you for allowing me to always show up as me and thank you for showing up as you. Welcome to Growth Mode. So, Jason, dude, I've really enjoyed getting to know you, man. We, you and I kind of are cut from a very similar cloth, and it's been really cool freaking talking to you. So I'm stoked to sit down and talk to you kind of about the big vision of the company, the things that we're doing. But I'm going to come at it straight out the gate, dude. I'm just not a goal-setting guy. You know, I'm, I'm one of those dudes that, that when you set a goal, it's a demotivating thing. And I've done enough research on it to know that I'm not wrong in my way of thinking. Um, you know, there's a point of goals, but I'm more of micro goals, which set a task for today and knock it down. Um, I've never been the guy that says, let's project way out and see if we can get there. Um, I like a vision because, you know, we have a massive vision to literally get as many people to freedom through building a, a business as possible. Because I think building a business is the greatest way to meet the dude in the mirror. Um, but I don't have like a finite, we will have help X amount of people by X amount of date, blah, 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 crap out there because that shit just doesn't work for me. So where do we start as far as trying to project in the future, all that kind of fun stuff? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. So for starters, I, I agree. I think that it can be very easy for people, especially young entrepreneurs, but just entrepreneurs in general. We're visionaries. I think, you know, Elon Musk is a great example of that. He sets a goal and he's, he tells us we're going to have cyber trucks in six months. And then three years later, they haven't rolled off the line, right? It's very common of visionary entrepreneurs. And, and, and Donnie, I agree. I think we're cut from a very similar cloth. And that's definitely a describer of, of who we are, right? Right. Um, and so I'd rather... You know, really quick, really quick on the yeah. Elon thing, though, just to say that, though. He also says we're going to be on Mars, but he hasn't yeah. set a deadline for that yet, right? I love yeah, yeah. that, right? Yeah. That yeah. makes sense to me. Okay, well, and right. I also think too, at a certain point with him, just to kind of cap that off, like, uh, it's, it's, there's a little gonzo entrepreneurialism, entrepreneurialism of that, which is like, he's, he's casting this like, uh, bigger, uh, bigger vision, bigger picture, more audacious goals. And I think there's a purpose to it. And, and if you kind of know that's his language, then you just kind of take that with it when you plunk down the thousand bucks or whatever it is to, to pre-register for a car. Uh, but getting back to goals, the way I like to think about it is uh, like land nav. So if you're somebody that's trying to navigate across a map, right, you're trying to navigate across to a mountain or something like that. Let's say that's your goal, this, this big mission that you have to help as many people as you possibly can in the way that your company does. Um, these goals along the way are kind of checkpoints. And so if you use uh, a mark, 
mm. specific mark that you're working your way towards, that's going to give you like literally physiologically, it's going to give your reticular, reticular activating system an actual finite goal that it's focused on in the short or medium term that is leading you towards that long term. And so sure, if you end up making your way towards that spot on the map and there's some unexpected reason why you're not going to end up actually going to that point, that's kind of not the purpose of it. The purpose of it is to keep the day-to-day -day tactical work that you're doing. Cause like you, Donnie, I'm a list guy. I work off of a day-to-day right. -day list, right. but it has to be only in steps that are leading me towards those ultimate goals. And it can be really difficult uh, for entrepreneurs to navigate that if they're always head down. And so if, if we can, just for a second, I'd like to kind of reset the table with the way I look at just running a business. Yeah, let's do it. The way I look at running a business is you have the core functions of your business, just imagine that's in the now, like what is right now? What is the, the one thing standing in my way or the one biggest hole in my boat that I should be working on now, uh, tactically and strategically as the owner of the business? That's sort of the, the now point. And then at any given time, I need to address whether it's marketing or sales or fulfillment or administrative stuff, whatever it might be, what is the area of my business that's currently the choke point that's stopping me from progressing towards my ultimate goal? And then the second thing I want to do is take that same uh, idea, but put it out into time and basically say, am I looking enough at the long-term goal of the company? Am I looking enough at the day-to-day? Because -day? you can imagine phases of your business where you're just launching. And so the only thing, or you're just deciding on building a business. So the only thing you're thinking about is this long-term goal. Or you can imagine you're, you're in the weeds a little bit and you're, you're, you're crushing it on getting new clients, but you're really, really focused on doing stuff today. And so I like to think of that exercise as sort of like an avatar in a video game. And then there's like the things that I need to be focused on right now. I need to make sure I'm always kind of paying attention to like gauges on a car. Right. And then the things that go out into time, I just want to make sure that I have a balanced approach to the way I'm viewing the timeline in the business, making sure that I'm still focused on achieving that big goal at the end, uh, as well as keeping on top of the things day to day. Uh, but let's, let's circle back just a little bit to you, Donnie, and your company. You said you had a mission. Uh, for me, the, the hierarchy is mission, then it's goals, then it's the strategies that we believe will get us to those goals and the tactics to support that strategy. So help us understand or reset the table for those listeners who haven't heard before. What is the mission of the company? So the, the mission overall, it was, it started out as a vision that became the mission. So it was to literally change how the B2B world networks. So we're on a, a track to literally recreate the B2B networking environment by restructuring, rebuilding, and recreating how networking groups actually function by bringing these right service-based business owners together. So, and we've successfully done that, but not on scale, if you will. So now the mission is, can we take this worldwide um, with the same model and with what we're doing to ultimately affect the overall vision of, see, and I always have vision stacked higher than mission, right? Because vision for me is what is that thing we're trying to get to? Mission is how do we get there? It's, that's how I've always yeah. had it in my head. Yeah, and I, I don't disagree with that. The, the, the only question I would ask is sort of coming away from that, I'm not sure when I would be able to shake your hand and go, you did it. You see what I mean? And so, so tell me, t tell me what a post skinned cat looks like. Tell me what, what it looks like if this business were to achieve that goal. And so what is uh, that? It's, it's, it's a quarter of the BNI membership. If we ever, if we were like to put a tangible, so like BNI some right now, where right now is around 400,000 members. So I don't need 400,000, but a hundred thousand, because the way I look at it is every BNI group out there has two of our ideal people in it. Right. Because there's, there's two people in every BNI chapter and BNI is an amazing organization, right? Nothing against them, but there's two people in there that sell high ticketed B2B like services. So they're like commercial real estate, they're software, they're SaaS, you know, um, they're selling this more higher end stuff and being around the realtors, the mortgage and the likes, you know, they're just not going to get to the business level they need to get to because those people aren't talking to the ranks that they need to be talking to. Mm -hmm. So if we got to a hundred thousand members, we'd be a quarter of where BNI was. And that's the market share that I want to hold for the company as a whole. I love it. And so talk to me about a timeline and you're in your Elon Musk no wildest dream <laughs> outside of five years, outside of 10 years. Um, I, God, so it's hard for me to fathom that we could do it in five years. Right. And right. 
I also have Bill Gates in the back of my head go, people underestimate what they can do in a year, or overestimate what they can do in a year and underestimate what they can do in 10. Yep, yep. So so 10 years for sure, I, I think it's not a problem pulling that off. I don't know that we could do it in five. Okay, and how are we acquiring? And that's the first time I've ever said that out loud, so that's interesting. That is interesting. And, and how are we acquiring clients today? Uh, so we've got word of mouth pretty strong. So what we're looking at now is how do we go into unknown markets uh, and get people that that don't know us, don't know our brand, and and start getting those engaged. Uh, and I just had Erin Marcus on another episode with me, and she freaking just totally called me out of my shit. I love it, which was such amazing. She's like, Donnie, your whole world is networking, and you're asking how do you penetrate a new market? <laughs> do what the fuck you teach. So like literally today, I put out a post on LinkedIn and said, okay, we've got chapters in Dallas. We've got chapters in Fort Worth. We're working on San Antonio. We're working on Austin, but we don't have anybody in Houston. So LinkedIn, who do you know in, in Houston that's a dynamic leader, B2B, service-based business, and now that post is getting me a lot of people there. Yeah. So, so, so that's where our next play is to really go after the... Not so much organic at that point. We're going after direct introductions, um, but we're not yeah. looking at marketing spend or anything at that point yet. So let me make sure I got this straight. So up until now, it's been primarily word of mouth. You yep. want to grow to be about 100,000 people. And now you're starting to do more of like a, like a strategically local, uh, almost like an affiliate or like an um, like influencer. You're finding somebody yeah. that can be the central hub there and you're spreading from there. You're doing that from your social media personally and, and supported by the team. Correct. Correct. So, um, kind of the MO for the company is I'll go out, shake the trees, see if it works yeah. and then trickle it down to everybody else and say, okay, um, this is what's working. Let's try this. And then the rest of the team will pick it up and then All they'll right. start going to the same thing. So let's take the sort of subjective, uh, the work that you're doing, which is word of mouth, which is really tough to quantify It's social yep. media. That can be tough to quantify in meaningful analytical terms. And then let's tie it now to 100,000 people a year, which is the 10-year goal, right? Yep. If we want to get to 100,000 people a year, that's, you know, uh, quite a few people. So how many people, like, what is the, what's the roadmap to accelerate acquisition to that? Because at a certain point, scale is going to become an issue there for you. 100%. So um, we are looking at, so the, the next model that we're getting fixed right now is this idea of a territory leader, which may ultimately lead us to a franchise model. Um, that we're, we're contemplating. So a territory leader with the ultimate goal and objective there is we're taking somebody who's been a year inside of the SCN, Success Champions Networking. They've built a chapter to successfully 20 members and they've started a second chapter going. We're now going to say, cool, you qualify to be this territory leader. Here's the standards of that. You're going to have to start a new chapter every quarter, right? Now they become the face, if you will, of that region. Mm -hmm. Um, ultimately going to likely push us into a franchise model, which is going to be the way I think we're going to be able to hit that hundred thousand. Um, but we haven't said we're a hundred percent going that route because I haven't done the research and things on the franchise side of things. So now it's, how do we go into our current client base and identify potential territory leaders, um, to get them to kick up? Because if I'm the only one doing it, of course, it's not going to get there. We've got to start building. Uh, a a minion of people that are also yeah. doing this. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, that's a good approach, right? I think all of the structure you're talking about makes sense. I think it's at each level of these, if we understand how to quantify, how to tie our actions to a reasonable belief that they're going to get to our desired outcome, right. right? And so, so where I would start there is, I misspoke earlier. You're looking to get to ten thousand new people per year at a run rate when you're getting yeah, to trying to go to hundred. Yeah, yeah you, I, I said hundred sure. earlier. Uh, so that's 830 people. And so what I would say is, have you, get, have you built the scaffolding either on paper or in your brain of what it looks like going from your acquisition st uh, status you're at now up to 830 people per month? Uh, and and how, do we, how do we get there? Because uh, like, so how, and maybe to make it even quicker or to maybe even simpler is think about like these 830 people or these individual uh, branches as like an individual project. How much time and effort goes into building today a successful 20 person, um, yep. you know, group? Uh, and then, so, so what does that look like? Yeah, so no, that's awesome. We that literally take? just did this. Yeah. So yeah. Um, with new chapters that we have coming into the marketplace with the training we put in, and instruction and everything, um, a successful chapter will get to 20 members. 
right at the two, four, six month mark right now, I think is where, yeah, six month mark is, is 20. So it's basically they're adding five members every month, you know, five person leadership team. Right. Um, so about six months in, we'll get them there. Um, with, uh, Jessica who's doing an amazing job. We found that six months run rate, her second chapter that she helped get up and going, they're on pace to do that same math. So if that holds true, then one person within a year's time can get, you know, two chapters to 20 members, uh, and maybe beyond. So yeah, that's, that's our current run rate, if you will. And so the people above that, the recruiters for those nodes, let's call them, right? Uh, how many different chapters is that person able to, to handle? So that's, that's an unknown factor at this point. We we're guessing it's going to be around five, um, to, to, to handle, because now you're talking to a hundred people. Um, so that's going to require them to have an additional person, you know, so, so we, we've got to learn that process out. Okay. So, um, kind of the hierarchy in our head right now is we'll have a territory leader. They'll have a guide underneath them as we're currently calling it. It'll help them manage the chapters in that theory in that vein there might be able to cool they got this person running those five groups for them maybe they can go launch another five and then find a guide type Mm -hmm. of thing but we don't know that yet okay and how many chapters have you launched in the last 12 months so i don't have the specific uh um number on that Uh, um but it's been Hey, Donnie Bovine here, CEO of Success Champions Networking, and I just wanted to jump in really quick and tell you about the network. Success Champion Networking isn't for the beginning networker. It's for the business people that understand that building a successful relationships is a two-way street requiring commitment from both parties involved. Stop wasting time networking with people that don't understand how to leverage their network to generate quality referrals for you. If you're ready to network with business people that are tired of doing all the heavy lifting and want to build real partnerships that generate high revenue referrals, visit one of our chapters today at successchampionnetworking.com and I look forward to seeing you there. So to give you background, we had a big churn. Um, we realized this year that our biggest differentiator is going to the B2B market. Um, so we had a lot of B2C in there. So we had a lot of, we had a massive turnover this year. So number of members, we flatlined. Okay. Um, number of chapters we flatlined, but we launched several in the process. So my, if off the gut, it's a, we probably launched eight chapters this year, but okay. still had the same chapter count we had, you know, beginning of the year. So this year is really, really flat. Awesome. And so we, we launched eight, which is a little under one a month, right? Yep. Uh, going forward in the next 12 months, everything goes great. Uh, what are you, Donnie, and the team you have today capable of achieving in the next 12 months? How many of those could you potentially launch? That's a great question. I'm doing math in my head. Um, because we don't have the metrics that says this is how we specifically find a territory leader. This is how, you know, we move forward. The... Without understanding the metrics behind it 12 chapters without a doubt we can launch off next year okay and so where i would say you never want to answer that question again that way uh and and Um, what i say i say that that only knowing enough about you to know that you you get what i mean but uh and and the reason why is because uh if i were you or, or what i would recommend that you do uh is have some idea of what the outputs are to achieve sort of any meaningful result in the business, big or small. So these are SOPs to get a sales call to close. These are, um, uh, we need to get the financials to these ratios in order to get this new loan to expand the business or whatever, any number of things in the business. You should have some sort of hypothesis. So you have this desired outcome. We want to sign up. Let's say we want to set, last year we signed up eight. This year we want to sign up 12. Here's our hypothesis for how that works. Mm. We believe that each of these 12 projects are going to take this amount of resources and this amount of staff. And they're going to, they're going to garner us this 
revenue and value producing asset or project on the other side of it. And so what I would do if I were you is take the time to take one interaction all the way from the individual person to one interaction, all the way at starting a 20 person successful chapter that's been around for six months and, and just write down, you know, at starting at the highest level, what, what has to happen for that to go well? And what, why, what is the reason that you believe that that's a realistic outcome? Right. And so this is where it, you get in the weeds a little bit, but you'd be surprised. You know, you mentioned earlier the quote about it's, it's everybody underestimates or overestimates what they can get done in a year and underestimates what they can get done in 10. As a visionary entrepreneur, Donnie, you're an answering machine for your vision and mission. And so okay. if I just add here, if we just set aside the rest of the day, I could ask you those detailed questions that you'd say, oh, actually, I guess, I guess it takes about 15 calls for us to get one person to say yes to the membership. Great. Well, now we, we exactly know how many calls per day we need to make in order to hit some. Right. And right. we exactly know how many a representative is capable of handling, which imputes to us how many representatives we need. Right. And now we know our salary needs and then we can compare that with the outcomes. So so what I would say is here, you should kind of always be running tests and then kind of planning the next test, very much like how software is. And so I would look at these big goals, which typically don't change very often. And I would really be focusing in, if I were you, on these uh, smaller and medium goals, which are how we're going to get there. Uh, because ultimately, the small goals are small tests with small hypothesis and small outcomes. And the large tests are very big tests with bigger hypotheses, which sort of change through time. You have this ability to sort of weave your strategy through time by testing and measuring, right? And so... Um, does, does that make sense to me? It, it does. And I, and I actually like the, the hypothesis side of things because it, it's, it, you're not saying let's fucking put a dagger in the sand and saying, that's absolutely what we're getting to. We're going to go, this is what we think we can do, right? That's the hypothesis. This is what we think it's going to take to do there. Let's go see if that theory works. I, I really, uh, you know, I appreciate the hell out of that. How do you determine what that hypothesis this is should it be because it's there, there there's more than than it's just a guess right there yeah. there's there's math to it of some sort yeah that's a great question so uh ray dalio is really great about this he talks about sort of the hierarchy of making decisions when you're doing this uh and, and I, I don't recall all of the different levels that he has uh, but one of those is sort of having an idea of what the total outcome is in this case you'd call that your vision supported by the mission to get there uh, and then let's say now you're at annual or semi-annual goals, right? Uh, and, and one important point is he says, don't consider the other parts of, the, uh, of that hierarchy whenever you're on any given one. And so when you're determining the vision, don't, be, don't, don't placate your, your ego and say like, oh, well, we'll tamp it down because I have lowered expectations of what I can do downstream. No, actually come up. I want to, I, I love big audacious goals. A hundred thousand people, man, there's somebody out there. Facebook has billions of users. Uh, they, they had to at least believe that that was somehow possible somewhere along the way for that to have happened. So I love the hundred thousand mark, but once you get below the hundred thousand mark, the next step is, okay, well, how do we get 10 years of 10,000 average run rate? Okay. That, well, that's a, another big question. So you answer that question specifically before you consider yourself with, well, how do we get to, you know, 833 members a month, which is that run rate, right? Uh, and, and so what I would say is just make sure you're, you're, you're parsimonious, that you're parsing this into each individual thing. And then as far as how do you set what the hypothesis is, it's all driven on by the, the, the outcome that you're looking for at the next level, right? And so if we want to get, if we want to sign up 10,000 people, then the hypothesis has to be, we, this is what we believe it to be the best method for us to get 10,000 people this year. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And does. then you say, because there's, there's a number, I mean, you're, 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 uh, you're capable of thinking of, uh, a number of different ways you could have 10, you could add 10,000 users in the next year. Well, you could lower the price to zero and then pay market. Right. And so you would get to 10,000 in a couple of months. Uh, you could, uh, acquire some audience from somewhere else and, and purchase them in that way. You could do what you've been doing now, only hire, uh, an army of recruiters that, that you would have to vet and train, right? So there's all these different, I mean, infinite different ways that you could get to, the, to any of these goals. The question then becomes, what is the one that is going to have the highest desired, uh, the highest percentage of, of success in your mind? What is the one that's going to be suited to you and your team as you are today or as you're financially able to build it in the reasonable future? 
Uh, and what do you want to do every day? Because I think this is the one that too often entrepreneurs don't think about in the short term. They think about what they want to do all day when they retire or when they yes, yes, right. to do. When I get to you, this is going to be you know amazing, blah, right. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But meanwhile, they're scheduling, you know, 100 phone calls a day today. Right. right, right. Uh, and, and so uh, so I would say you got to look at it in those terms. And so that's how you work your way back to a hypothesis. Um, one of the ways I like to look at, I actually go to float tanks about once a month. Uh, it's been a couple months now, but usually about that's once where a you month. literally sit in a full of water, yeah. totally enclosed yeah. in. Yes, yeah, exactly. It sounds creepy uh, as hell, but I get it. it <laughs> it's pretty great. But well, the reason I like to do that is because there's just no other outside stimulus. And so I work on my relationships. I work on myself and I work on my business. Uh, the way that you would see like a, a like an, a mechanical engineering diagram exploded, right? And so you see all these constituent parts. And so let's say this is your team. This is the amount of money you have. This is the amount of leads that you have. Uh, this is the structure of the business as it is now. And just take a look at it with a fresh set of eyes and say, is this the most efficient, most effective way for me to assemble these assets, these this team, this staff, uh, and this business system? And I've been surprised over and over and over again with, oh, we've just been doing that on momentum. Sally is actually really great with people. She should be on the phone talking to our clients, probably not building the new software that we're doing. And, and it just so happened that a series of decisions led that person or that asset to be deployed incorrectly. Uh, and so when I'm setting hypotheses is when I'm saying, here's how we're going to go out and achieve these goals. That's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm saying, well, what's, what do I have in front of me? What are the assets? What are the tools? What are the resources that I have that I can put to bear? And then as an entrepreneur, it's my job to sort of maximize the return on all of those things. Does that make sense? It does. It does. You know, I recently watched a movie called the Saint of second chances and I highly recommend it. it's on Netflix. Okay. And uh, it's about a guy whose dad once upon a time owned the Chicago White Sox, um, but was like the original uh, baseball hustler dude. They used to do crazy skits and all kinds of things. Yeah. Um, but uh, the movie's really cool. I won't ruin that. But the, the one thing they did in there that I really thought, and so on October or December 11th, I'm bringing the whole team together, rent out of space, get everybody together, whiteboard it all up and, and go through a lot of this. But in that movie, um, the family, because they did baseball antics to get people to the stadium. So all kinds of, and, and yeah. you weren't allowed to say any idea was too crazy. So they would write, you know, come up with crazy ideas, write them on a matchbox or a napkin. And they would throw it in this box called the ideas box. And whenever they needed to make money for the, the, the stadium or bring people in, they would reach in and pull out an idea. Okay. Let's try this one. Right. So I told, I challenged the team that when we come to this December 11th meeting, that uh, there's no holds barred. One of yeah. the things we're going to do is throw as many crazy ass ideas on the table of how do we really start pushing this forward and then go through, okay, which ones do we think we can actually pull and try and pull off? Right. So they're all supposed to be coming with a whole bunch of ideas. So I'm, I'm, I've just enjoyed that you said that because that's one way we're getting to how do we push and really turn the needle on this thing? You know, um, I'm just now as a, a business owner learning how to look at the team, the players kind of start become the chess master of, okay, this person's here. This is the accountability. You know, it, it's fascinating for me because my entire journey has been a sales guy. I was never a manager. You know, I never ran a business, so I've never had to have a, 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 a resume or an I've never yeah. filled out an application. I've never had a job description. You know, um, it was here, go sell this. So I'm just now learning all of this stuff. And it, it, it's, it's been a unique process learning to try and put accountability on somebody else because I was never held accountable because I always achieved. So nobody ever said, here's your next you know, hoop to jump over. You know, I pretty much set my own you know, golden task. So, um, learning all this intricacy has been really, really, really fascinating and fun to learn. Um, but there is a massive learning curve um, as I step into all this, which just means growth's happening, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, the nice thing about that though is, so for starters, uh, uh, Alex Charfin, who's a former mentor of mine, has some really great resources on this. There's things called 4Rs documents, uh, you know, uh, EOS, which is, you know, the right. traction. And, uh, but EOS is like just too big for a company our size. I mean, sure, sure. But the thing I'm specifically referring to, though, is as a salesperson, it's very, very easy. This is why you hear so many influencers talk about sales. First of all, it's sexy. It's what drives your business. It's what pays the bills, right? It's very right. important. 
Um, but sales is really easy because it's numbers. It's like how much ad spend did you have? How many cold calls did you make? How many emails did you make? And then a series of things through that, you know, funnel, right? And then how much dollars and clients did you pull out of the other side? And what's their lifetime value? That's very easy. And Donnie, I couldn't thump you if I tried on how to set up a sales team for your organization. Good. If whether we wanted to do paid advertising, which is super easy on a spreadsheet, or even if we wanted to like pay for influencer marketing, there's like very easy, logical steps to go, oh, okay, that person has a million followers. I pay them a thousand dollars. You know, I get an X percent you know, engagement rate from their followers. And I sign up at Y number of people for Z dollars, right? That's very easy to figure out, but every role and every function within your business absolutely has a corollary uh, version of that for themselves. And so you want to take a look at every single role, like think of like, you want to define each role of your business as sort of the prototype of what it'll look like at scale. Does that mm -hmm. make sense? And so if, if it's an administrative person, if it's a a uh, group leader for, uh, or, a, or a regional leader, whatever it may be, defining what those people are. And then really, and this is really difficult, really giving yourself the time to think deeply about the objectives of that piece of your business, of your money machine, right? And then figuring out, well, what, 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 what success for them? And so it's easy to say, we need a setter in a sales environment. We need a setter to sign up uh, 10 people uh, per week for appointments with salespeople. Okay, great. Well, that's two per day. Well, how many calls do they have to make to get one? Well, it's 50. All right, great. We need to make a hundred calls a day. Okay. Well, that's really easy. Well, how do you do that for somebody that's, let's say recruiting, um, that's out recruiting people or, or, you know, or somebody that's, that's, that's developing a software for you. You know, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're yeah. building out your, let's say they're building out your sales funnel or they're building out your membership platform. There, there, there's an, I'm an end goal. Like yeah. I'm a, see the hill, just take the fucking hill. I don't care yeah. how you take it. Just take the damn thing. Um, so to sit back and go, okay, this is your framework to make this successful. I don't know how to wrap my head around that. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, um, because I'm, I'm, I never had to have anybody give it to me and I've never had to give it to somebody else. But now I'm at that place where I've got to yeah. start giving that to people, you know? Um, and I literally don't understand the framework of this is your job description. Yeah. Does well, that it make sense? The com yeah. It starts with a conversation. You talk to them or you talk to the people uh, that if, if you're, if you already have hired them, you talk to them. If you're talking to, um, uh, if you're thinking about, let's say developing software or whatever it is, you research it and you figure out, uh, and what you'll find, uh, if you just cl keep clicking the links, you will find a forum somewhere where people will tell you the meaningful differentiation between a good job and a bad job in anything that you want to look for. Uh, and so I might say to the software developer, like, okay, well, how long do you think this is going to take? Oh, and you know how they are. They're going to say, yeah, yeah. well, you know, it's really hard for us to say. It could be three months and $10,000, or it could be, you know, 24 months and $2 million. Like, they give way, you these I always months. call them to the carpet. Like, you know, yeah, we're, exactly. we're not playing that game. Right. Well, so how do we do that? We scrutinize every time we get one answer in life, there are a minimum of two additional questions that arise, right? right? <laughs> it's like every time you answer one question. So when you say how much is, or how long is it going to take and how much it's going to cost? Well, they're going to tell you, well, well, that depends or whatever. We'll, we'll kind of keep the detail out of it for brevity, but uh, they're going to continue to give you answers. And as, as long as you are, in, are curious enough and analytical enough to just listen, you will get the answer that you want to know. So you may find out that we need to hit uh, 50 lines of code per day that are bug free and checked and, and moved us towards our goal in order to hit this three month deadline. Now I will tell you right now, I am, the, I've never developed software. <laughs> uh, so I'm not the guy to give you like, it sounded really right damn now. smart. I'll give you but that. <laughs> my, point though, my point though, is there's some number of inputs that re they return an output. And as entrepreneurs, it's easier, not, 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 easy, but uh, it's easier for us to focus on a big goal and then hold all these sort of smaller micro and meso products projects in our head. But for employees, that's, that's just not what moves them forward a lot of times. And there's different things that move different people forward, but it's much easier. As you know, salespeople, what do sales teams do? Good high, high speed sales teams at any level. What do they do? They have daily huddles. They have yep. weekly goals. They have competitions. There's cash uh, competition. There's all these things that are put in place to keep them focused yep. on the next shiny thing coming down the path. And so even if you were somebody who could focus on a million dollars a year 
all year, every single day. And that gets you up hustling and cold plunging and doing all the stuff you got to do to be ready to fire, you know, lava when you get on the phones. Even if that was you, you're rare. And so we got to identify that and manage the people that are are on our teams. And those people need to know when they're doing a good job. And so we need to be able to, as a visionary, vision is only useful if you can pass it on to others. For sure. We have to take our big vision and be able to digest it down for people that otherwise just wouldn't be able to have the connective tissue with it. By the way, we, we only have two choices here, Donnie. We can either be a beautiful butterfly who's a visionary and sees the, sees the world as we wish it to be and then goes out and makes it happen, or we can expect everybody to be like us. We cannot have those two ideas at the same time. Well, and we, we already know that not everybody's going to be like us. Right, right? exactly. But business wouldn't function if everybody was like me. Right, exactly. And, and, and so we have to realize that when, when you get upset or when you get frustrated because somebody on the team or somebody outside of your vision doesn't see it or is doing something that seems boneheaded, that's actually good. It's actually affirming your value in the market. And so your job isn't to go out and find a, a bunch of entrepreneurs or a bunch of NASA certified uh, you know, astronauts. Your job is to actually find a bunch of McDonald's employees that can function excellently in your system, right? Now, and tell me more that, about that. Tell me, tell, explain that more to me. Yeah, so there's, a, there's something called the reverse pyramid of management. And the idea is at the very pinnacle of that pyramid, let's say as an astronaut, you have to have the right genetics. You have to have like tons of smarts, physical ability. You have to train for years. And even then it's like the best of the best of the best that actually can do that job, right? Because right. we need them to be so capable. That sounds glorious. Uh, and then on the other side of that pyramid, let's say as a McDonald's fry cook, it's literally all automated. They just stand there and things come out. Well, that's actually a much better business. McDonald's is a far superior business than, than NASA. And so I'm not saying that everybody should go buy a McDonald's franchise. But what I am saying is stop building your roles and the tasks and everything associated with it as if you're going to go out and hire astronauts because you're going to waste a ton of money on salary. Uh, and, and instead, what you can do is you can push all of the systems and processes in your industry or in your business up on that pyramid and make it easier and easier and easier for you to execute with less and less people. A great example of this would be Starbucks. When Starbucks started, they needed you to be trained as like a cool barista. Like you probably needed to know about cool bands just to work at Starbucks in those right. first locations. And like, you're, you're essentially like a, a mixologist, right? That never could have scaled to the way that it has now. So what did they do? They didn't spend time and money on training every single person to walk through a Starbucks training program to be the coolest barista in town who, you know, ate, slept and, and dreamt about coffee. Instead, they changed the system to make it easier and easier and easier for them to have a desired outcome with a less um, skillful uh, employee, right? Yeah, I really like that thought process. My, my, what keeps running through my head as you're going through this um, is everybody always says, you know, hire the smartest dude, hire the, the one that's already achieved it and you'll move and scale faster. This to me sounds almost like the opposite of that, where you, you're, you want to. And the, I like the idea of hiring for culture fit. And then letting them learn the job, right? right? That, that, that makes a ton of sense for me. But I also understand there's a huge learning curve in doing just that, yeah. right? You know, because if they don't understand the program, they don't understand the software and the likes, then, you know, you've got to be dangerously enough to know it enough to be able to guide them to what the end solution of that should be. Where do I, where, sh I mean, so. Between hiring the best in the game and, and McDonald's style person, where, how does that work out? How does that play out? Well, the answer is it's both, man. Okay. You know, that's, okay. The, that's the unfortunate answer. Right, right. Uh, fair, fair, but fair. You strike me as somebody who, who would buy into the extreme ownership, Jocko Willing. Yeah, oh, yeah. All day long. All yeah, and I'm sure your all listeners do too. And so let's think about that for a second. Uh, by the way, I am too. A big believer in that. If I have ownership of my business, of my results, of my staffing, of my training, and of my business systems and processes, then I need to look at the dials that I'm turning. Uh, that's my, all of those are my responsibility. And so, yes, absolutely hire the absolute best people in the industry, pay extra for that if you're able to. But at the same time you're doing that, you better be making damn sure that everything you're doing is making sense and it's as, as efficient and as effective as possible that people know, by the way, confusion is the result of so much failure. Make sure everybody knows exactly what they can do today to win today 
and win next month and next quarter and next year. And that becomes really, really uh, easy with things like those four R's documents that I mentioned before. But the person who does this best is Elon Musk because we've already evoked him a few times, but we just evoked NASA. NASA had the best people in the world and it cost them $200 billion to go to space. Elon said, well, we're going to hire the best people we possibly can too, but we're going to spend a lot of our time making sure that everything that we're doing is the absolute most efficient and effective way to do it. And we're not going to look at any outside resources. Our, I think he says something like, you know, the only rules are the laws of physics. And I just, I just love that concept yeah. of like, if it can be done, then why the hell would we be considering anything else? Well, how do we bring that topic back to like our purview, which is like B2B, B2C, you know, sales, fulfillment, service, networking, things like that. Well, it's just as simple as like, well, how many phone calls do you have to make? How many lines of code do you have to make? And what is the desired outcome from there? And I just think if you have ownership of that process, then there's more than one dial you can be tweaked. Every time I fire somebody, I take ownership of my own, I don't want to say failure, but maybe failure there because number one, I picked that person. Number yeah, two, yeah, yeah. I trained that person. I put them in front of a system. Was that system as effective as it could be? Did I match that system to the person that I chose to fulfill on it? And any number of other questions that I should be looking at. Um, but those are, those are some of the best learning lessons for this exact point is like you look at, you know, for me, it's, um, it's Joe. I got a kid named Joe that I, that I employed, a man named Joe that I employed a number of years ago. And he could have been great for me. I was not yet the entrepreneur or, and I did not yet have the system that I needed to, to help him to succeed. And as a result of that, that person ended up moving on and doing other things. And it sure felt like it was his fault at the time. But I look back on that and I say, I could take somebody less capable and less motivated if I had to than Joe and do two or three times the output now. Yeah. I, what, dude, I, now you're preaching to the choir two years ago you wouldn't have been yeah um because I'm, I'm seeing this this same thing play out um as we go through this kind of evolutionary stage we are in the business you know i'm not a systems and process guy i'm, I'm working on learning how to be that guy um it's just not a natural thing for me i'm more of a bull in the china shop so but i i also see um a lot with the you know jessica coming into the system and and building a lot of these processes for us that by having an exact roadmap for them to follow, we're able to see the success and duplicate the success in there. So, uh, it's, it's such a mental move for me to get to this side of things. Uh, it, it's not slowing down. It's actually making us move faster. It just feels like we're, we slow down sometimes to put these processes in place. But that goes back to the old cliche, you know, you slow down to speed up. Yeah. And that's, that's a great opportunity for you to think about hiring the smartest people in the room and not yep. being the smartest people in the room because visionary starters that come up with big ideas and, and paths are not typically the ones that want to be supplying beans and bullets throughout the world. Right. Yep. Uh, and, and so that's fine. That means you just need to be, be self-aware of enough of that and be able to stand aside from yourself and look at the business objectively enough to put somebody in place who is capable of doing that. Um, and then along the way, you know, make sure that we're setting goals. I like to set goals that are easy to hit and not that are lazy, but goals that are easy to hit. Because typically when we, when I do that, I find that my team feels like winners, right? Uh, so let's say, let's say right now we were setting your goals and maybe that's a good way for us to kind of come full circle here as we were setting Donnie Cole for the team. Um, and, and we want to hit a uh, hundred thousand people in 10 years. Well, I could look at that at 10,000. Uh, per year. And I could look at that as 833 individuals per month. And I could say, Donnie, you signed up uh, eight um, locations in the last year. Each of those has 20 people. Great. Awesome job. Uh, last month, we signed up 12 people. This month, we need to hit 833. Go. Like, that doesn't work. No. Now, all of a sudden, <laughs> you set this crazy goal. Your team goes out. They do as best as they can. Let's say you signed up 12 people last month. They pull out all the stops and they sign up 100 people. Holy shit, it's by a factor of almost 10, the best month you've ever had, and they have a 700 and something person shortfall, right. and they feel like losers. Yep. And so it's really important that you understand sort of what the goals need to be for you now and connect that to what the outcome is going to be down the road. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. So I, I really love the idea. Like right now, um, I'm not going to get specific, but right now we have an employee where I like am setting like a, an incentive based structure to their, their growth and they're just getting started and trained. 
And I'm making damn sure that they're going to hit every single one of those goals and that those goals are going to be at least acceptable for the outcome. Because that way, now my team feels like special forces operators, right? Now my team feels like they're winners. They're like, oh, yeah. I mean, it may be nothing. Like Our goal was to hit 13. We crushed it. We hit 15. Right. (laughs) That's great. You guys are crushing it. Next month, do you think we could do 20? Dude, not only 20, we're going to hit 21. And then they go out and they hit 21. Well, that same team builds on momentum of winning and working together. There's, there's so much more of like a buoyant feeling in a team when everybody's like passing the ball and the other guy's dunking it. Uh, you, you get into this state of flow that you just can't get in when you crack the whip from day one. And so now you've got a team that's been dominating for three quarters and somehow they fall behind. Well, now it's easy to rally them together because they're fucking winners. Yeah. So they get together, they pull out the stops and then they make it happen. And so that same team that goes from 12 to 15 and 15 to 21 goes from like 750 to 850 in a similar amount of time because they're, they're just winners that have been additionally adding on new winning teams and teaching them how we go out and win. So you may one day find out that this, this, let's say it's a unit of two. There's like somebody that goes out and finds people and somebody that signs them up uh, to register for their core, to, for their group, right? Uh, you may find out that that group can do 50 a month at full speed, like the best, the best of the best will do 75. Well, great, then you can just go out and have that team teach everybody else or you even better structure it based on those best practices and now you can reproduce that so you could walk into an investors meeting three years from now two years from now with a track record of hey man we're only signing up you know 150 people a month and it's because i can only afford to have these three guys for us to get to scale and really change the world we need to have a hundred thousand that's our number well all i need is a million dollars to hire two you know a hundred teams and to train those teams over the next nine months and then we will get big chunks of success but if you've been tracking it you have an asset an asset financially and an asset intellectually that is your system and now you can show that to somebody you can demonstrate it for them and the whole conversation in their head will go like that right if right. you say things that make sense smart people will nod their head and if you can do that long enough they will give you money <laughs> and so it's just one of those things where if I had to just put a put a, uh, a guess out there, I would say you'll probably need investment if you want to hit that big of a number in that type of time line. But the chunks come from making sense and documenting and demonstrating that you can go out and reproduce that. That's how you become mega successful um, because you've you've, you've shown right. that you can solve a problem for an industry, and that industry is nationwide and even worldwide. And so if what you're saying makes sense and you can meaningfully differentiate yourself from the others that are doing it, then people with money will just go, yep, that's yeah. fine. I don't know if we'll need the investment because I truly feel like we're going to have a tipping point, um, right? They're, 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 if, you, if you look at B&I, right, they're 30 years in um, of doing all the things that they've done, maybe 40 years at this point, but um, they were developed in the 80s. But um, so 40 years in to hit the, the pace that they're currently at, and that's only the side of BNI that people get to see. There's a whole nether several businesses behind BNI because they've done some really smart things. Um, the they hit a tipping point at some point in where the organic word of mouth surpassed anything else they could do um, because the nature of what's being built. So I'm a I have a firm belief that if we can continue to create the absolute best experience for people word of mouth will outpace anything that we can do because there's we continue on a monthly basis finding more and more people that are like dude you've got to experience sen you've got to experience this thing so uh, we're going to be able to push it from the front end and that's what we're learning to do now but i i think our tipping point of word of mouth is going to be insane hey, let me ca- let me tag that though there's an, imp- an important point that i want to pull out there is everybody's been to, uh, let's say, a massage therapist that you saw on uh, Marketplace or whatever, and you, you just went, and they were just like, amazing. They lit the candles. They had this wonderful music. They gave me a little mint. Everything was great. The experience was totally awesome. you got to try it for yourself. I can go tell 10 people that, and maybe one will go, right? right. But when I go $5 footlongs, Everybody goes. And so what I would say is I would start to use your marketing brain a little bit on your business development side of the house. In other words, how do you generate word of mouth? Well, number one, you give them an unbelievable experience. But number two, you need to be able to make it easy for them to convey that value when you're not in the room to somebody else. 
And so, yeah, they do the first six months for free because they're so confident. I'm, by the way, nobody, I'm not saying you should do that. Right. I'm just right, saying, right. like, uh, you know, Alex Hormozzi, six week challenge, 600 bucks or your money back, right? Like these types of things, the word of mouth really tipped because they had an offer that was not just undeniable, it was an undeniable all star offer that they made. Love that. But it was also easily conveyable to other people. And it's like, so so you could imagine a world in a networking uh, group where it's like, not only is it great, I've met these wonderful people, and this is very subjective and ethereal, but also, you know, and they do this thing where your first meeting, you get 10, 10 leads for free. Like everybody, like they, they all grassroots it together. And the first time you walk in the room, you introduce yourself and everybody in there, all the people that are supportive of them, everybody is committed to giving you two fresh contact or so, something. I'm just right, making right, something right, up. Right, but right. the idea being is like, you're, you're essentially like putting marketing copy and you're creating an offer for what you're, this is how you build referral program, yep. things like gyms, right? Is you have something that's a hook, that's meaningful, that's actually giving that person something that they want, right? And so I'm sure, and I know we're not at the point we're going to go down a whole nother hallway here in for this sure. conversation, but I'm sure you've done a ton of avatar work, both for who's going to lead these organizations and who the people are that are going to benefit from them. Well, what do those people currently want desperately? And, and I'm not going to answer the question. I'm just saying, that's what I'd be thinking about. And I would say, well, how do we give them an immediate dopamine hit from when they hear when they hear about our program, they should feel like they've already won. When I heard that there was an Elon Musk book, Musk, uh, Musk book that just came out, I felt like I was already a smarter, better entrepreneur, and I hadn't even bought the damn thing. Yet. Right. And so, so I guess that's that's the way I would look at it. Is like, how do you convey that when you're not going to be the one in the room, and they're not even like listening to your podcast or responding to an ad or anything? It's literally just you know Tom the you know Windows salesman is reaching out to his buddy, the, you know, golf pro and saying, I actually think this would really benefit you. Well, how? I picked really weird examples there. Right. But, but it makes yeah. sense. Well, and I wrote that down. I mean, it's, it's the whole idea. And I just love that phrase. When they hear about SEN, how, what is it that makes them feel like they've already won? I, that's just a cool way to look at it. Dude, we could, we could continue to do this and, and uh, I think we're going to, but, but um, I really, really, really appreciate uh, not only the way that you explained a lot of things to me, but how you can tell that you really give a shit about this stuff. Oh, I you know, uh, I, um, I love finding people that are just so passionate about helping and serving others to this level, man. So I appreciate the hell out of this. How do people get in touch with you if they want to reach out, learn more, tell them about Spear and Clover, because I think it's a cool thing. I think my logo's cooler, but you know, that's just me. <laughs> all right. All right. I got it. I got it tattooed. I'll, I'll get yours tattooed. Right. Uh, there you go. Yeah. So first of all, thank you so much for having me on. I really do love doing this. And so if you want to get a hold of me, I'm really easy to get a hold of because I love talking to entrepreneurs. I love helping them solve problems. Uh, it makes me better. It makes other people better. It makes the world better. I love it. Uh, so you can find me at uh, Spear and Clover uh, on Instagram, on YouTube. Uh, I'm Jason at Spear and Clover. If you want to shoot me an email. Uh, spearandclover.com. Uh, I help entrepreneurs with all sorts of things, very much like this this conversation, you know, starting at big picture and working its way down to tactical. Um, and that, that's pretty much it. I, I, I do love uh, talking to entrepreneurs. I'll do that any chance I can uh, and check out the Spear and Clover podcast. Love it, dude. Thanks for coming on, brother. Really, well, really appreciate it. Me. Hey guys, if you uh, hung out with us this long, uh, do me a favor and make sure you take a screenshot of wherever you're listening to or watching this. Tag me and Jason both in it. I'll make sure I'll come and comment on it. If he sees it, I'm sure he will as well. But otherwise, love you, mean it. See you, bye. When I created Success Champions, it was on the idea that most people make themselves an island as they're growing their business. Yet they just don't want people to know how bad things are because if anybody knew how bad things are, nobody would do business with you. So like me, they don't often reach out for advice. They don't get support. They just try and put their head down and grind through it. And let's be honest, man, that, that lifestyle sucks. And when you're constantly trying to find yourself to push through it and figure it out on your own, it often leads to misery. We created Success Champions so you don't make yourself an island, so you don't build your business alone. There are a ton of people that are going through it on the same journey that are looking for the same advice you are, maybe they've been through it, and are looking to help. So come hang out with Success Champions. Go to successchampionnetworking.com. Go visit one of our peer groups, and let's help you 
actually get to business freedom. Don't build your business alone. Come hang with us as Success Champions.